You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Tuesday, December 24th. It is Christmas Eve, baby, right here in 2019. And uh, pretty soon we're going to be talking about 2020, right? Just a few days away from that. Matter of fact, next week we'll be talking about 2020. But right now it is Christmas Eve. It is Tuesday, December 24th. And we're here on the Locked On Raiders podcast for another episode. And uh, I will say, probably getting this episode out just a few minutes later than I normally do. But uh, it's a, just a different day around the radio station today. So, got off to kind of a little bit later start, but it's all good either way. Definitely going to knock it out and have a lot of fun on today's episode. And like I said, we'll have at least three episodes this week, maybe more, but guarantee we'll have at least three episodes with Crossover Wednesday coming up tomorrow, and that'll be fun. I'll be talking with Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos, talking all things Week 17, that final game of the season. Looking forward to that, and there's a lot of things riding on the line. We all know a lot of implications. That game really could be a a very important game for the Raiders on Sunday. It's an important game regardless, but there's a lot of things riding on the line on Sunday, and it's it's pretty exciting, pretty fun to know that the Raiders are playing in a game that really, really matters in Week 17. You're not just talking about what draft order you're going to be coming up on, but With that being said, I will give you an update on the draft order in segment number one. But here on today's show, I want to break it down for you. We'll have Anthony Wooton. I had a conversation with him on Friday. He's our good buddy from uh, Love Sport Radio in, in London. I talked to him on Friday, and I was looking to put that on the episode on Monday, but didn't have enough time, just ran out of time. So I'm going to put that in segment number three. That's usually where I put the calls, but since it's a little bit dated, I'm going to go ahead and put that in segment number three. Your calls, I still got them coming up on today's show, but I got it coming up in segment number two. So that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line is still wide open like some TV antennas, some old school TV antennas, 707-654-4693. That's going to come up in segment number two. And uh, got some really good calls, got some really good feedback, a lot of stuff about the game, a lot of stuff about the team in general, moving forward, some players that stood out in a major way to different people, and got a lot of new booties calling in, in segment number two as well. So very excited about that segment. Here in segment number one, loaded up, loaded up on news and notes, got a whole bunch of different stuff I want to talk about. John Gruden, he had a media session on Monday. I broke that down. I have, uh, it was about eight or nine minutes, but I'm not going to play the whole thing. I did break it down and we'll bring you a few quotes uh, of stuff I thought that was really, really important. Um, Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, he's back. I'll talk about that. Uh, I mentioned the draft order. I got the updated draft order as of this morning. As After the game last night wrapped up with Green Bay and Minnesota, that actually has a little bit of implications on the draft order. And the draft order has a lot of different things that go into it on, on how you get you know, how you come up with the final order, the final, uh, you know, 32, who's going to be placed where. So I'll give you an update on that. And also, I know a lot of Raider fans are talking about the P word. So I got to give you an update on exactly 
what the Raiders need to get into the P word. So we'll go ahead and, and start off with that as we jump into the news and the notes of the day. So if you're talking about the P word, and we all know how I feel about that, that it's not really about that. It's really just about the Raiders finishing off the season strong. I would love for them to go into Denver, pick up a win, end the season 8-8. Eight and eight. If they don't make the P word, fine. At least they finished off the season strong. They doubled their wins from a year ago. That would be good for me because I would have seen progress. I, and I've already seen progress. I'm glad that they got that win against San Diego, San Diego, against the Chargers on, a, on a Sunday because they really needed to break that losing streak. But uh, yeah, I would love to see them go into Denver in an environment that's going to be cold. It's not going to be ideal for Derek Carr and him go out there and have a really good game, pick up a win, and end the season 8-8. Eight and eight. That's going to be very, very important moving forward if they can pull that off. So really hoping that they're able to do that. But in the slight chance that you know, you're still hoping out, you still got hope for the P word, well, you can have that because there are hopes. It's very slim, but it was very slim last week. And, well, you see what happened. You know, the Raiders were able to come through on their end, and then every other team that had to do something to help them out, they also came through on their end. So here we go. Let me just go ahead and break down to you the up-to-the-minute real deal right now. If you're talking about the P word, this is what has to happen for the Raiders to make the P word. First of all, first and foremost, they have to beat Denver. Okay, fine. We know that. Second, Houston has to beat Tennessee. Okay. Third, Baltimore has to beat Pittsburgh, okay? Indianapolis has to beat Jacksonville. All those things right there, all four of those things are possible. Now, Baltimore is sitting like most of their guys. Lamar Jackson's not going to be playing. Mark Ingram's not going to be playing. Uh, uh, Earl Thomas isn't going to be playing. There's like five guys that they're not going to be playing. Houston will probably only play their starters for a little while. But either way, either or, it doesn't really matter. I mean, all that really matters is that Oakland takes care of Denver. They have to handle their business. But again, Oakland beats Denver. Houston beats Tennessee, Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis beats Jacksonville. All four of those are possible. But that's not it. A lot of people think that that's all that has to happen. No. Also, one of these following things needs to happen. And only one of them, but one of these things has to happen. Either New England beats Miami, which is very likely. Detroit has to beat Green Bay. The Chargers could beat Kansas City or Chicago beats Minnesota. Now, all four of those don't have to happen, but one of those four has to happen. So, again, I'm looking at New England beating Miami as probably a fair shot, probably what I believe is going to happen. Now, who knows who's going to be playing for New England? But if that doesn't happen, just say Miami beats New England. There's a good chance Detroit's going to lose to Green Bay. There's a great chance the Chargers are going to lose to Kansas City. And there's a really good chance that Chicago is going to lose to Minnesota. So, one of those has to happen. Not only do the first four that I told you have to happen – also, one of the follow- those following four have to happen. New England over Miami, Detroit over Green Bay, Chargers over KC, or the Bears over Minnesota. So there's a lot of things. It's a laundry list of things that has to happen for the Raiders to be able to make it into the P word. But, you know, like they say, you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there is. It's a slight chance. I'm not getting my hopes up for it, but I know that there is a slight chance. Now I want to talk about the draft order right now because there's only one week left in the season. And look, it's going to change a little bit, but I kind of want to give you an update of where the Raiders sit right now and what it looks like as far as what's going to happen in the end of April, how the draft will shake out, and where these teams will be picking. And look, this is the deal. The, the draft is based off of a lot of things, obviously wins and losses. So that's why the Bengals have the number one pick overall. They've already uh, locked that up. They, they cannot lose that number one pick. They're on the clock right now. But – as far as tiebreakers going, right now there's a lot of tiebreakers in the league. It's based off of strength of schedule, division record, conference record, interconference, and then a coin flip. That's how tiebreakers will go. So right now, as of right now, as of Christmas Eve morning, 
basically because of the the game that happened last night on Monday Night Football between the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, where the Packers got the win, Minnesota lost. So another team's strength of schedule may have gone down. Our strength of win percentage has gone down. So this is what it is. Before last night's game, the Raiders were picking at 14 and 15. Now there's been a change. So this is how the, the draft would go if the season was over right now. The Bengals would have the number one pick. The Redskins would pick second. The Lions would be third. Giants fourth. Dolphins fifth. Jaguars sixth. Chargers seventh. Panthers eighth. Cardinals ninth. Jets tenth. Broncos eleventh. Browns twelfth. Falcons thirteen. And there's the Raiders right there at 14. In between the Raiders and the Raiders would be the Cowboys. The Cowboys come in at number 15, and that's because Minnesota lost on Monday night, and so it changes the win percentage of the teams that uh, the Cowboys have, have lost to. So now the Cowboys are at 15. Then the Raiders would pick again at 16, and that would be the Bears pick. So the Raiders would be at 14, Cowboys at 15, and then the Raiders would be on the clock again at 16. Then finishing out the draft or the first round, the Colts at 17, Buccaneers at 18, the Dolphins by way of the Steelers at 19, the Jaguars by way of the Rams at 20, the Eagles at 21, the Titans at 22, the Bills at 23, the Vikings at 24, Dolphins by way of the Texans at 25, Seahawks at 26, Chiefs at 27, Packers at 28, Patriots at 29, 49ers at 30, Saints at 31, and Ravens at 32. And again, a lot of that's going to change as well because the playoffs and, uh, you know, this weekend coming up and all that good stuff. But really, all that I really care about is where the Raiders are going to be picking and why they're going to be picking. Right now, if the season were to be over, the Raiders would be picking at number 14 and number 16 overall in April in the 2020 draft. So just kind of keep your mind on that. I'll update it next week when it's all said and done as far as the regular season. Obviously, it'll change a little bit with uh, with the playoffs. But once the regular season's over, then the Raiders will be locked in at their positions 100%. So we can update it again next week. Okay, so at the beginning of the show, I mentioned Marshawn Lynch. Beast Mode is back, and he is. He is back in Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks signed him Monday night. Uh, And look, this is the funny thing about it, man. Eight days ago, he was in the parking lot of the Coliseum. He was serving tequila shots at that December 15th game. He was actually in parking lot C. We were in B. I was wondering where he was at, but he was in C handing out tequila shots. And uh, yeah, now all of a sudden, eight days later, he's now a member of the Seattle Seahawks. They are riddled with injuries, so they have like three major injuries, a couple running backs out for the season. So they went and signed Robert Turbin on Monday, and then Monday night, they signed beast mode he's back I'm really happy for him I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in apparently his uh, trainer has been working out within the past few weeks and has really really been uh, working him hard even going into some like boxing techniques and everything so I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in but I know that Sunday night the Seahawks play the 49ers that game was flexed to a Sunday night game I'm excited to see the game I'm excited to see beast mode back again we talked about him before the season started about him coming back to the Raiders and it looked like the Raiders were ready to move on from him they brought in Josh Jacobs I think that was a good idea and uh, I have no ill will towards uh, Marshawn Lynch I like him a lot and I I would like to see what he's going to do on Sunday for the Seahawks and I wouldn't mind seeing him make a nice playoff run you know that'd be really cool to see him go ahead and do that and what a storybook ending that could be, right? If Seattle just finds a way to get to the Super Bowl and, you know, Seattle gets onto the one-yard line and instead of instead of not handing him the ball, they hand him the ball, he gets in the end zone and uh, they win the Super Bowl, that'd be great. I, w- I would love to see that kind of as a redemption story, not on him, but for Seattle, and then just to see him kind of go out like that on, on top. But again, 
no ill will towards Marshawn Lynch. I'm going to root for him. I hope that he has a successful run with the Seahawks. And, you know, I hope he goes out there Sunday night against the 49ers and handles his business. But, again, you just don't know, man. I mean, he's been out since October of 2018, so you can't really expect him to be in great shape. But congratulations to Marshawn Lynch on his return. Now I just want to jump into, and I know this is going to be a long segment, but you know I got calls coming up in segment number two, and then I got Anthony Wuton's interview in segment number three. I want to get into John Gruden's press conference from Monday, just break down some keys and, and talk about some of the things that he talked about and uh, things that I found to be really, really important. I could play the whole presser for you, but don't think that I really need to do that. Plus, I'd rather talk about some of the things that he said and just kind of highlight those like I, I do on the regular. So first of all, John Gruden opened up the presser. He gives a quick update on injuries to Josh Jacobs, Rich incognito, Trayvon Mullen, LaMarcus Joyner, just kind of gives you a quick update. So here's John Gruden opening up his press conference. Well, I'll be happy to answer any questions that I can. We're still in the process of getting all the information from the trainer. There is a chance Josh Jacobs could play. Uh, incognito is still questionable. And uh, we got really good news on Trayvon Mullen. He's, he's got a chance to play this week. Um, and uh, so does LaMarcus Joyner. But again, I won't update the exact nature of their injury until I get further notice from Rod Martin. So there was John Gruden right there. He was opening up his press conference, gave a little quick update on some injuries and the things that stood out to me. Josh Jacobs has an opportunity to play on Sunday. That would be great just to see him one more time before the season gets wrapped up. And also Trayvon Mullen, probably the more important one, is the fact that he has an opportunity to play on Sunday. So that's great news. You heard John say there that, oh, yeah, we got great news on Trayvon Mullen. That just lets you know that everything that they did on Sunday with the stretcher and, you know, and, and taking them off like that was a lot of precautionary stuff, which is great. That's what they're supposed to do. But knowing that the injury to Trayvon Mullen is not that serious, so very good news right there. Uh, Richie Incognito, who knows what's going to happen with him if he's going to return. And LaMarcus Joyner, who knows what's going to happen with him. Says it sounds like he has an opportunity to play, but LaMarcus Joyner has been a pretty um, underwhelming guy, to say the least. I think underwhelming would be a good word. Um, you know, I don't want to just call him a straight free agent bust, but he hasn't been very good. Uh, I think the Raiders need to really reevaluate what they do with him as far as having him in the slot or maybe put him back in his no normal position as a safety. Not too sure what they're going to do. But speaking of safety, Daryl Worley. Uh, John Gruden mentioned it multiple times that, you know, there's an opportunity Worley might go ahead and play a little bit of safety role, kind of slide him into that Malcolm Jenkins role instead of having him as a corner. And, and I even mentioned that, you know what, it might be better for Daryl Worley to have his uh, have his eyes in the backfield all the time, be able to look at the quarterback all the time instead of have to uh, rotate his body and get his head turned around because a lot of times he's in good position. He just doesn't make the play. Uh, so I see the back of his jersey way too many times. So on Sunday, he played some safety. He was a nickelbacker. I mean, he was kind of all over the field. So, you know, John Gruden was asked about him, you know, like, was that the plan for Daryl Worley going into that game? That wasn't not the plan. Yeah. That was more of a necessity. <laughs> you know, we, we lose uh, corners, we lose nickels, we lose safeties, we move Worley around. But that is what we have talked about for the last couple months is using him as a strategic weapon a guy that can do a number of things. Maybe if it's first down, maybe you want him close to the line of scrimmage. Maybe if there's a great receiver, you want him involved in coverage. Um, and there's a lot of things that he can do, and I think yesterday was a great step in that direction. Really proud of him and his performance. I've mentioned multiple times that I'd be okay with the Raiders moving on from Darrell Worley, but if they find a position like that, if they find a position, maybe a, a, a type safety, a, a, like I mentioned, a nickelbacker, a guy like that, if they find a better position for him, I can see them keeping him around. But again, I'm just not sold on him as a as a corner all the time, just because I see the back of his jersey way too many times, and I just kind of 
eh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just get frustrated with Daryl Worley. So, not a big fan of his, but he did play well on Sunday. Another guy who came in and played pretty well was uh, David Sharp. He came in at, at right tackle. Brandon Parker started the game, but he got benched because he was playing like Brandon Parker. He was playing terrible. And uh, a lot of people were wondering, like, why hasn't David Sharp started you know, the last few weeks. Why has Brandon Parker been there when Trent Brown's not not in there anyway? Everyone knows Brandon Parker's not very good. Well, John Gruden kind of gives an explanation on that and then talks about David Sharp moving forward if he's going to be the right tackle, if he's going to be the starter moving forward. He did okay. You know, he's uh, he was in a tough spot. We asked him to be a tight end going into the game to give us uh, a different look um, in the play-action passing game and in the running game, certainly. He's not a great route runner yet, but uh, Brandon Parker struggled, and we made a change, and um, right now the ball's in uh, Sharp's corner. We plan on starting Sharp. He's, he deserves it. He did some good things as the game uh, unfolded. So it kind of gives that explanation that, okay, they had him in there as a tight end at first, and they were going to do something with the play-action pass and, and basically allow him to be another blocker, an extra blocker, trying to open up the offense a little bit more. So it gives a little bit of explanation, but I'm really just glad to hear that David Sharp is going to be the dude moving forward because Brandon Parker is a turnstile. He is absolutely awful. Uh, another guy that stood out on Sunday that played really well, and look, this is a guy that hasn't even been on the roster all season long. Will Compton, the linebacker, he came in because of injuries, or he was signed because of injuries, and he's been playing a lot as of late, had a lot of tackles on Sunday, and so John Gruden was asked about Will Compton and you know what he's meant to the team, what he's brought to the team, and, and what he saw from him on Sunday. Compton? Yeah. You know what, he had, he had like 12 or 13 tackles. He's wearing the green dot, which means he's the man communicating with Gunther, uh, you know, making the adjustments, making the calls, the alerts, checking out of uh, coverages and into blitzes and vice versa. Uh, he got a great demeanor about him, very poised, very calm. I went out there on the field to check on one of our players, and uh, he got on my case for not smiling, not having a good time. Uh, you know, he's a weird dude, man. He loves football, and that's why he fits in here. But uh, he's, he's really made some plays and made an impact here. Um, at a position where, where we really needed him. I was never too sure what they were going to get out of Will Compton when they signed him in the in the regular season just because of necessity. They didn't have enough bodies. They just didn't have any linebackers at that position. But to hear that he's wearing the, the green dot and he's you know calling in all the plays and he's basically the quarterback of the defense right now. Uh, Tahir Whitehead, once Vontez Burford went down, he was that guy. And so they've transitioned from Tahir Whitehead to, uh, to Will Compton now. And so it's just going to be interesting moving forward. To hear Whitehead, I'm thinking that he's probably in his last year with the Raiders, but who knows? Maybe he, when he doesn't have responsibility to be the, the guy with the green dot, maybe he's a little bit better. I still think that he's a liability as a linebacker, but uh, it's kind of good to see that a guy is stepping up and, and, and he's bringing an impact to the team. And, and again, he's a guy that wasn't on the team all season long, but clearly you can hear right there that John Gruden really likes what he's been seeing from Will Compton. Just got a couple more for you real quick. I uh, want to talk about DeAndre Washington. He came in. He uh, filled in for Josh Jacobs, who obviously missed the game. He's got the shoulder injury. And DeAndre Washington has been on the team for quite a while. You know, he wasn't drafted by John Gruden and company. He's been there for multiple coaches. He's been there for multiple regimes. He's been there for a while, you know. And even in the summer, there was the thought that maybe he'll be gone. But this year, he's been healthy all season long. This is probably the first year in his career that he's been really healthy all season long. And even in training camp, I had mentioned that, man, 
every time he gets an opportunity to run the rock, he's running with a purpose. He's running downhill. He's playing strong. He's catching the ball in the backfield. He's doing some nice things. He's really earned his spot. Talked about him in a major way on Monday because he had had 85 yards rushing on Sunday and then had another 20 yards receiving. So, I mean, he had a nice game. 100, 100 yards from scrimmage, had a touchdown run, uh, had two touchdown runs in the last three weeks. I mean, DeAndre Washington has been playing Really, really well. Really earning his keep. I believe he's going to be back with the Raiders next year. But John Gruden was asked about DeAndre Washington, his play on Sunday, and and what he means to this team as a football player. And it's funny, man. Listen to what John Gruden says that DeAndre Washington did coming out of the locker room to start the third quarter. Yeah, you know, he when I got here, he, he got hurt, if you remember, last year in training camp. So we never really got to know him um, as close as we did till this summer. But uh, when you're around him, you see a guy that is really professional. He knows who to block. He knows exactly what to do. And he can run the ball inside or out. He doesn't make mistakes. He won't fumble it. Um, you know, he can run an array of routes. He's comfortable in a no-back formation. He's comfortable behind a fullback. He can run from the offset position in a shotgun. And we came out to start the third quarter. We didn't have enough guys for the kickoff return team, so we threw him out there in the front line. He just knows football, and uh, those are the kind of guys that uh, allow us, I think, to win a game like we did yesterday because in a, in a tough spot, uh, we can ask him to do a number of things well, and he did it. I really like to hear that about DeAndre Washington. I really like to hear that about any kind of football player just because you know that you're so locked in on the game and you know so many different things. It's not like you just know your position, but you know so many different things that makes you so much more valuable. And look, that goes for more than just football. That goes for life in general. The more you know, the more you could do, the more valuable you are to whatever company you work for, right? At the radio station, I feel like I'm pretty irreplaceable because I could do just about anything. I could go on the radio on many multiple different radio stations. I could do production in the background. I can go out and sell. I can go and do, I mean, there's so many different things I can do. I can go meet and greet. I mean, I can do what you want to do. I can run the boards. That makes you irreplaceable. You know what I mean? And that's what gives you longevity in the in the, the craft. Well, there's no different than football. You want to have longevity in the league? Be a guy that could go out on special teams. Be a guy that could be a running back. Be a guy that can catch the ball. Be a guy that can, you know, feel comfortable doing just about anything that the coach asks you to do. Not only just be comfortable doing it, know that you know exactly what you're doing and the and the coach has that confidence in you that okay, hey, we don't have enough guys for our kickoff team. DeAndre Washington could go out there, just jump out there, put his helmet on and go and not and not be a liability out there. That is a major, major key right there. And I don't think enough players in the league have uh, enough tools on their tool belt to say. You know what I mean? There's too many guys just do their one little thing, their one-trick ponies, maybe a couple things that they can do, and they don't specify and they don't specialize in everything. And that hurts their careers as, as well. You know I mean? That just being able to go out there, that stopped the Raiders from having to call a timeout. And how embarrassing would that have been coming out of the locker room and had to call a timeout just to get the right personnel on the field? That's big. That's a big-time move right there from DeAndre Washington. Now, my final clip, and man, this segment right here could be the whole show, really. This clip right here, I saved the best for last because it's about Hunter Renfro, and I think we could all agree he was the MVP of the game on Sunday. It was great to see him back. I did a whole segment on Monday just about him in general. Well, John Gruden was asked about Hunter Renfro, the way he played on Sunday, his first game back from injury. Here's John Gruden. He played great. That was his first 100-yard receiving game since high school. So, uh, it was pretty cool. He... uh he showed he can make make uh, some yardage after the catch. <clears throat> he also showed he can block. We ran a toss crack, and he cracked the defensive end, did a nice job. He had a couple of nice punt returns, and he really saved field position one time by somehow stopping the bouncing ball from 
uh, bouncing inside our five. He made a great, great effort uh, in the return game. And he just gives you such a sense of confidence in some tough passing situations. He can run different routes, and he's very friendly with his route running style. He rarely fools a quarterback, and uh, you got a lot of savvy for a young guy, to say the least. He is a very exciting guy. He's a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do even next year, just after having a whole offseason to work on his body, you know, hit the weight room a little bit more, uh, obviously learn the playbook a little bit more, get healthy. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a key player. I talked about him in a major way on Monday, saying that he could be the, the number two guy and, and the Raiders still need to go out and get a number one guy. And I think a lot of people got confused by what I was saying. I'm not saying that he's going to line up outside all the time as a number two guy, number two wide receiver. I'm talking about volume. I'm talking about he can get enough passes to be the number two guy. You know, it's not just a guy that's going to extend drives anymore. Because at first, like I said many, many times, he's going to be a quantity over quality guy. But, or a quality, excuse me, over quantity guy. But he proved on Sunday that he could also get the quantity. He can get a lot of passes. He can get a lot of catches. He can have a lot of targets come his way. He could still be that guy moving forward. I don't care if you leave him in the slot all day long. He's a guy who's a professional route runner, and not necessarily because the routes are super crisp. He just knows how to get open. He knows how to sit down in the zone, make himself available for the quarterback, and that's important moving forward. So that was a super long news and notes segment. <laughs> that's, that was, I'm telling you, that could be the whole show right there, but it's not the whole show. I got your calls coming up in segment number two, straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That's next on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Here we are, Raider Nation, jumping into segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Jumping into your calls in a segment early just because, well, I got Anthony Wouton's conversation from Friday. I got that coming up in segment number three, so I wanted to go ahead and hit your calls right here in segment number two, 707-654-4693. That's the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Raider Kev, he's starting things off. He's calling in to wish Raider Nation a Merry Christmas and thoughts on Sunday's game versus Denver. Here he is, Raider Kev. What up, Q? What up, Raider Nation? This is Raider Kev calling in from SoCal. Uh, hey, I just wanted to give a shout-out to everybody, uh, Raider Nation, Q, Raiders Organization. Just wanted to say I uh, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to who don't celebrate it, uh, spend it with your loved ones, your family. And if you got uh, Raider friends, spend it with them, too. And um just wanted to say... Hope we uh, have a good game Sunday. Hopefully we win. It's all hopeful, isn't it? As long as we have hope, good things may happen. So uh, that's Raider Kev. Out. Merry Christmas to you, my man. I appreciate the call. And, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a fun, interesting game on Sunday. Cannot to wait to see how the Raiders close out the 2019 season. Raiders out the 909. He's calling in after listening to Monday's show, talking about the Raiders breaking the losing streak, talking about Hunter Renfro, the offense with him in there. Here he is, Raider 909. And oh, oh yeah, he's a new booty. Hey, what's up, Q? How's it going? This is um, Raiders out the 909. I uh, just finished up that Monday's podcast and, you know, excited victory Monday. It was a great win this last, uh, this last Sunday against the Chargers after a. Uh, uh, dismal last three weeks, right? So, um, want to touch on a couple things, you know, it was actually first and foremost, I'm a new booty, you know, I've been listening to the podcast for the last month and, and it's great. It's very informative and, and, and we appreciate everything you're doing out here in, uh, 
just want to give an insight on, on how the offense looked just with that little spark with Hunter Renfro. That dude third and Renfro, that's a baller, man. It was, it, I was even excited sitting on my couch, you know, ready to watch the game, knowing Josh Jacobs was out, but we still had that one spark of hope, that that light, that 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 upside that we needed with everything that was on. I, I counted this out, but um, they pulled it out, and it was a great team win against a, and a, divi- a divisional opponent who was um, actually a pretty quality uh, uh, adversary, and, and and it was great to come out there and, and watch how the Raiders performed and kind of uh, made us, after last week's um, blunder against the Jaguars, you know, it was it was a great way to see them go out there and play like a team, play like a unit. I mean, I think you've touched on it, you know, looking forward. Regardless of what happens, uh, how we end the season, you know, as long as they – go out there and compete against the Broncos. I think we're finishing the season strong. You know, as long as we learn to compete, we learn to compete this season. Uh, next season, we'll learn to win and, and and finish out on the other side of things. But overall, just excited for how everything turned out. You know, the defense played well. They, they excited for those draft picks. We got some, we got some great solid draft picks coming up. And I know the ship is, Ship is sailed on cars. Everyone's uh, left to right, but I think he kind of solidified himself as what he can do with it, with some weapons around him. And I, you touched on it this podcast, and it makes sense as far as he, you know, come out here, get a number one, run forward, be number two, mix in with three with with Williams. But regardless of the fact, you still got Jacobs, you still got um, Waller, uh, uh, yeah, Waller, and. And Morrow comes back from his injury, and and the offense that's a pretty scary offense. That's a consistent offense. What we need in this league to to compete, and I would rather use our draft picks against the, um, the defensive side and get some linebackers. I mean, I don't know if Burfick's coming back. But we got Abrams who didn't who played one game, and I use, I love the hammer that he brought out of those ten fifteen plays he was out there. He was bringing the hat, and that's that's what you like to see that physical defensive game, and hopefully we can kind of focus a little more on the defensive side for the season coming up. Good stuff, my man. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the fam. And I'll say, man, the Raiders showed a little something-something of what the offense can look like. There is hope. Obviously, they still need a number one wide receiver. Renfro showed he could be a guy that gets volume catches. He can get that that uh, number two amount of catches. You know, he could be that guy that Derek Carr relies on all the time, early and often. Very excited about his uh, his potential moving forward and thinking about the different guys, the different weapons that are around him. So uh, thank you so much for that call, and I appreciate you. And don't, uh, don't be a stranger. Make sure you call in again at 707-654-4693. Lock that into your number, your phone. Uh, we appreciate you. Raider Big C in L.A., he's calling in after being at the game on Sunday to talk about the environment that he's a part of, and he likes what he's seeing from this team. Here he is, Raider Big C in L.A. Hey, Q. It's Raider Big C from L.A. Um, probably saw on that uh, group chat that we have going on, but uh, me and my father pulled the trigger last weekend, got some last-minute tickets to the game this past Sunday in L.A. Um, I said in the group chat that we were there to start the three-game winning streak, and got tired of losing, so I was like, let's stop this losing streak, and look, behold, they won. Believe it's superstition or not, that's everyone's opinion. My main thing was that just being there and seeing the crowd, it just felt like another game at the Collie in Oakland. Uh, we were definitely 95%, maybe close to 100% Raider fans. We had a couple here and there. But overall, just want to say you're doing a good job and looking forward to see what happens, you know. Let the let the dominoes fall where they're supposed to. 
They might make the P word, but if anything, progress. So a lot of progress, and like everyone else has been saying, Renfro, I think we got to change his name to Third and Renfro. I kept saying that the whole game. All right, you take it easy. Happy holidays. Everyone, happy new year. And let's go Raiders. Yeah, I guarantee that that atmosphere was awesome. I mean, just watching it on TV, it was great. I was glad to see Raider Nation take over. I did see on that group chat that you and your pops were going, so that's great, man. Congratulations. Uh, Thanks for helping the Raiders bring home a victory. Uh, You got to give the fans a lot of credit, man. You really got to give the fans a lot of credit for going out there representing and uh, making – it uncomfortable, man. Making Philip Rivers have to call a timeout in his own stadium because he can't hear the play calling. I mean, that's embarrassing. And you can see the frustration. And Philip Rivers even spoke on it on, on a Sunday after the game about how frustrating it was to have to know that he's a visitor in his own stadium. But, yeah, that was that was really cool. So hats off to the fans. Hats off to you and everyone else that was there, part of Raider Nation, representing. Nick in Connecticut, he's up next. He's calling to speak on the potential of the P word and also wish Raider Nation a Merry Christmas. And oh, by the way, I think Nick is a new booty. Here he is, Nick in Connecticut. Hey Q, it's uh, Nick out in CT, Connecticut. I uh, just wanted to um, just quickly say I, I just listened to the podcast. Um, been listening the last few weeks since um, you know the constant losses uh, week after week and just like the hopelessness. And uh, we are looking poised to um potentially maybe put our finger on the p word so i'm excited for that that's all i wanted to say have a good one uh merry uh, christmas to everyone thanks bye yeah man i mean the possibility is there it's very very slim very very slim chances i mean a lot's got to happen but look a lot had to happen last week too either way i don't really care about the p word i care about this week and seeing what the raiders do against denver that's really all that matters i'm telling you man i was on uh, twitter earlier and i was going back and forth about the scenario for the p word and and, and why that you know the, the raiders actually have an opportunity i was trying to explain it but it's so hard to explain it's just i mean it's there the possibility is there but that's not what we should be focused on What we should be focused on is the Raiders winning this game against Denver on Sunday. And if everything falls in place and they get an extra game, great. If they don't, hey, they finish the season 8-8 and and they got something to build on. That's where my focus is at. That's where it's going to stay. Raider Fonzo from the 951. He's up next. Calling to talk about the win on Sunday from a fan's point of view who was there. Here he is. Raider Fonzo from the 951. Raiders! What up, Q? It's your boy, Raider Fonzo from the 951. Uh, just checking in the day after the big game yesterday. <clears throat> your boy was there. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about that massive drive in the third quarter. Raiders went back-to-back, got the touchdown right before the half. They come out in the third quarter, and they punched, and I mean punched, the Chargers in the mouth. You go eight minutes, 49 seconds, 75 yards, just running the freaking ball right down their throat without Josh Jacobs, without Rich Incognito, without Trent Brown, and you just come out and punch them in the mouth to start the third quarter, yeah, that broke their back a little bit. That broke their back a little bit. That, I agree with you, was the most impressive drive all season. The other stat that came out at me, and of course, everybody, because everybody watched the game, was the run defense. Melvin Gordon couldn't do crap, dude. Eckler couldn't do crap. And I know Eckler catches the ball out of the backfield, blah, blah, blah. They had these guys on lock. They, they just pinpointed them. Other thing, the people that were playing good, and I know you didn't mention this on Monday because you had a lot of stuff to talk about. Keyshawn uh, Nixon, dude. Nevin Lawson. Guys played pretty good, man. Obviously, Trayvon Mosley got his. Um, and I like that Daryl Woolley was in the back. 
But, hey, man, Mevin Lawson and Keyshawn Nixon, dude, they played pretty good. A couple pass breakups, you know, like, oh, it's tough. Nah, man, that's a strong defense. So they played pretty good, man. Um, I like our chances in Denver. If we can run the ball again, if we can man up, you know, push, punch these dudes in the mouth. I know they got Von Miller. They got a pretty good defense. Nick Angel's running the defense now. But we can punch them in the mouth, run the ball. Even if we have Josh Jacobs, great. If we don't, still can do it. Um, just can't make mistakes, man. Cannot throw interceptions. Can't give up big plays. Um, we can do it. Do we make the playoffs? Ah, oh, man, it's still tough. If we do, who knows? Who knows, man? I know everybody's like, hey, 8 and 8. I'm, I'll be happy with 8 and 8, too, if we don't make the playoffs. But if we're in, you never know, man. It's the playoffs. Playoffs, crazy things happen. I mean, look at the Giants when they beat the Patriots and the Patriots were undefeated. Nobody thought that, that Giants team had a chance. All right, man. Well, great podcast again. Uh, I'm out. Merry Christmas. Man, I like the way you talked about the drive right before halftime. I totally forgot to mention that on Monday. I didn't, didn't mention it earlier today either. That that Raiders scoring drive before halftime, that was huge. And then to get the ball and have that nine-minute drive to start the third quarter, I mean, basically, you kept Phillip Rivers off the field. And when I say you, I mean the, the team, the Raiders, kept the Phillip Rivers off the field for 45-plus real-time minutes. That's impressive. You want to know how you win games? Keep Phillip Rivers on the sideline for 45-plus real-time minutes. Very, very impressive. Keyshawn Nixon, Nevin Lawson, they did do a good job. Uh, when they were called upon, they had to, and, and they did. So uh, good stuff uh, from them. Definitely have to shout them out as well. couple more calls for you before we wrap up uh, segment number two. Jack from Charlotte. He's calling in to talk about the play calling and wanted to point something out that, uh, you know, I actually had crossed in my mind at first as well. But, uh, yeah, here he is, Jack from Charlotte. Oh, oh yeah. He's a new booty, even though he has called, and this is the second time. He just didn't make the show the first time, as you'll hear. But, uh, yeah, anyway, he's still a new booty. Here he is, Jack from Charlotte. Hey, Q, what up? This is Jack from Charlotte. I'm a new booty calling in. This is about the second time I've called in, I think. Didn't make it the first time. But um, I heard you were talking about Gruden's play calling in the game uh, this weekend, and um, I noticed that during the game, that it looked like Greg Olson was actually relaying in the calls to Carr with a play sheet. And I think Gruden, after scrutiny over the couple weeks, might have handed over play calling duty to uh, to Greg Olson and more of the CEO type coach where he's giving his input, making sure like he's like, yo, this is the type of play I want to run. And Olson's going to find the play put in to fit the scheme that Gruden wants. And, I mean, you could go ahead and look because in the beginning of the season, it was – Olsen still had the play sheet, but you saw Gruden there with the play sheet calling in the plays. And uh, this past weekend, we did not see Gruden with the play sheet putting in the plays. It was Greg Olson if you watched the game. Um, that's all I have to say, man. Um, love to hear your opinion. Have a good day, brother. You know, it's funny, Jack. Thank you for the call. Welcome to the family. I appreciate your call. Sorry I didn't get your first call on, but I'm glad this one got on, and it was a really good one because it's funny. I noticed what you're talking about, too, and I think it might have been in the third quarter. I saw Olsen with the play sheet. It looked like he was calling plays in. He had it in his hands, and I, I swear I looked over to the wife and the fam that was around me, and I was like, did Gruden turn the play calling over to Greg? But then right after that, I promise you, it was one play ran, and then right after that, I saw John Gruden with the play sheet in his hand, and he was calling into play, so I don't know. 
I don't think that Chucky turned over the play call to Greg. I wish that someone in the media had asked that question at the media session on Monday, but I know that if I was there at the game covering it, I wouldn't have seen that either. That's one of those things that you see on TV and you kind of wonder about, but I promise you that went through my mind. I don't think that Chucky is, has given the play calling over to Greg Olson. I really don't. I think that they were just consulting maybe with each other. I don't, I don't see John Gruden giving up the play calling, but it is worth monitoring. It's a good thing that you pointed out. I just can't verify 100% and say, yeah, Greg Olson was calling the plays, and I don't think you can either. You know, If you can, please call me back and let me know, and, and let me know how you know for 100% fact that Greg Olson was calling the plays. Definitely let me know, 707-654-4693. But it is something that crossed my mind. It is something that I noticed in the game, so thank you for calling and speaking on that again. Maybe I'll hit up uh, Vic Tafer and ask if he can ask uh, Gruden at the next media session, or, or, or maybe he knows already and, and he can answer that. I'll send him a text to this afternoon and say, hey, uh, happy Merry Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Eve. By the way, did you notice this? Yeah, I'll ask him. See what he says. But uh, thank you for that. Again, uh, appreciate you pointing that out. Jack from PA, he's up next. He's calling in to make a few points about the game on Sunday. He's bringing up the fact that the P word is still a possibility. And, yeah, here he is, Jack from PA. Hey, Q, it's Jack from PA. A couple quick things. Uh, I caught a little bit of the game yesterday. Great to see the Raiders finally get back in the win column. It was pretty much a home game. I saw maybe like three Chargers fans in the whole stadium. Uh, so Raider Nation really came out in Los Angeles uh, for this game. Uh, now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And after all that we've been through this year, uh, we've been through quite a bit. Uh, can you believe that the P word is still possible? Losing four games in a row, getting crushed, and finally losing our last game in Oakland. And... We're still talking about the P word. Now, I, I know that even if we were to make it in, we probably won't do anything, which is fine. I'd just be happy about even getting somewhere, getting in there. I'd be happy with 8-8. Eight eight. We'd be the 13th team that went 8-8 eight and, eight and got into the playoffs, which is mind-blowing. This whole possibility is mind-blowing. We needed six things to happen yesterday on Sunday, uh, and I think Saturday, too, in order for us to get in. They all happened, and now... We need the Titans to be, to lose to the Texans. We need the Steelers to lose to the Ravens. And we need the Colts to beat the Jags. And obviously, we also need to go into Denver and spank them donkeys. Uh, all those things are possible, which is crazy. But, hey, I won't complete the P word yet. I didn't even want to bring it up. I don't want to jinx anything. I, feel, I went to that Jets game, and I feel like I'm the one that jinxed everything. That's uh, just the way I am. Um, but, hey, Q, if I don't talk to you, have a Merry Christmas, uh, have a Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and uh, take care. All right, bye. Yes, sir, the P word, it's still a possibility. But remember, everything you said there has to happen. But that's not all. Also, one of these has to happen. Either New England beats Miami, Detroit beats Green Bay, the Chargers beat the Chiefs, or the Chicago Bears beat Minnesota. One of those has to happen for the P-word to be possible, plus everything that you said as well. And again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm just worried about the Raiders winning on Sunday. The Raiders win on Sunday, it's all gravy. Whatever happens after that is all good. So uh, thank you so much for that call. I appreciate you. Final call of the segment, final call of segment number two before we get into Anthony Wouton's interview I did with him, the conversation I had with him on Friday. It's coming from Joe in Arizona. He's calling in after watching Sunday's game and wanted to share his thoughts on what he saw. Here he is, Joe in Arizona. It's Joe in Arizona. Hey, brother. I watched this game tonight. And I watched it with 
the feeling that we were not going to pull it out. I really went into this game thinking, all right, our season's already over, and didn't expect anything. I almost didn't even watch the game, but I couldn't do that. had to watch. So some takeaways from this game. First of all, injuries are very, very, very devastating, and, you know, just prayers up to all the guys that got injured, uh, especially Trayvon Mullen, you know, he's, uh, hopefully it's nothing too bad. Uh, but I also see that our guys played a lot harder than they have the last few weeks. Uh, they definitely played like they wanted the win. Some questionable plays, and, you know, towards the end they were definitely, our defense was kind of dragging, but they still pulled it out got the dub, and it will go into Denver next week, and I think it's going to be kind of more of the same, where we just go in not expecting too much. You know, hopefully it's not snowing, hopefully it's not too cold, and Carr can actually play. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if Jacobs is going to be available for next week, but I really hope he is. Uh, you know, finish the season out, and hopefully get a dub against the Broncos, and, uh, you know, it'll be cutting bookends. Win against the Broncos' first game, win against the Broncos' last game. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, do love the show, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, man, the effort was absolutely 100% better than what the fan base has seen over the last few weeks, especially during that four-game winning streak, or actually four-game losing streak. Uh, it really was a lot better effort. Uh, you know, it sounds like there is a good chance that Josh Jacobs and Trayvon Mullen plays on Sunday, and that would be great. You know, as long as you're not going to get these guys banged up and hurt anymore, especially Josh Jacobs. I mean, I think Trayvon Mullen will probably be okay. Uh, they wouldn't put him out there in harm's way if he had like a neck injury or something. They just, just wouldn't. But if he uh, if he's got good news, which it sounds like they did get good news on him, he'll probably play. Josh Jacobs, as long as he doesn't hurt that shoulder anymore, I'd be 100% okay with him playing. I'd love to see him finish it off one more time. And really, you got to give a lot of credit to the backups who have come in to replace the guys that have been injured. you got to give credit to the DeAndre Washingtons, the Denzel Goods, the David Sharps. You know, Brandon Parker, obviously, he's the one guy who hasn't come in and filled in and done a good job. He's been pretty bad. But you got to give Trayvon Mullen credit for taking over for Garyon Conley when they moved on from him. Uh, Nevin Lawson was in the game on Sunday. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are filling roles. Curtis Riley, that's another guy that could sit on the bench with Brandon Parker as far as I'm concerned. But everyone else has really come in and, and filled a, a good void when somebody goes down and has been injured. So uh, good stuff to point out right there. Definitely appreciate that. Coming up in segment number three, uh, not your calls, because we just did your calls. Anthony Wuton. I talked to him on Friday from Love Sports Radio over in London. Really good conversation. And anytime I, I get a chance to talk to him, I like to bring it to the show. So that's coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into my conversation that I had on Friday with Anthony Wuton from Love Sports Radio. He's our good buddy from London, real good dude. He uh, got his chance to Howard sell me on Friday about all things Raiders. So here's this conversation. Welcome back to the American Sports Show with me, Anthony Wilton, on Love Sport. Give me a follow on Twitter at ARWilton. That's W O O T T O N. Very Merry Christmas to you. Just a couple of days to go now. Only three more doors left on our Advent calendars. There are no doors left at the Coliseum 
now for Oakland Raiders fans. The Raiders have left town. They had their finale in Oakland last week. It was all going to plan, but then seemed to just crumble right at the end. Even Derek Carr appeared to be celebrating at around about the two-minute more. Uh, at around about the two-minute warning mark, our boy there, or your boy Q from Locked On Raiders, was there. He was in attendance for that historic game at Oakland. Though, Q, welcome back to the show. Delighted to have you with us. It was an historic moment, but then it just turned disastrous at the end. It really did. I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it is disastrous. You know, you thought in your mind that there's a chance that they could lose this lead and they could lose this last game at the Coliseum and all these fans that are hyped up and excited and cheering and yelling and screaming are going to go home disappointed. And then I thought, nah, they're not going to do that. There's no way that they're going to find a way to fumble this game away. And then all of a sudden, you know, one one really terrible call by the officiating. And, and then on top of that, not to mention no, not scoring any points in the second half. And yeah, it all came crumbling down and then it, it, it kind of led into a sea of ugliness after the game where a bunch of fans were angry and upset and throwing stuff on the field, including nachos and cup holders and hats and, you know, all kind of stuff, beer and, and water bottles. And it just became really, really ugly at the end. But, man, I'll tell you, the atmosphere throughout the game and before the game at the tailgate party was amazing. It was unbelievable. But, again, like you mentioned, a disastrous ending. We all know and love Raider Nation. We've embraced you guys three times. The past two years, you've been over here as Raider Nation. And I can just imagine what a party atmosphere it would have been in Oakland. And we've seen the scenes um, on the television or wherever it's been, obviously, pumped through social media. The nachos in particular. Obviously, that was a small section of fans. What was the overall mood like within the Coliseum at the end? Was there more booing and anger towards the team uh, than we could anticipate through the videos that we've seen on social media. Yeah, I think so. There was a lot of booing. And then not to mention, you know, I was sitting in the black hole and that was the very first time I ever sat in the black hole in the history of the Coliseum. So it was kind of historic for me. I was there, the wife was there and she had a, a really good time. But just seeing, like I said, it get really ugly at the end and all that booing. And then not to mention, uh, you know, what people were saying next to you and people saying, you know, behind you and walking out to the to the parking lot, what everyone was saying. And, you know, I mean, you know how fans are and fans short for yeah. fanatics. So they get really, really super hyped up and super over the top and, you know, say a lot of things that they don't mean. But it was a lot of them like, hey, just take this team and go to Vegas, get out of my city, get rid of it. You know, it's just it was a bunch of anger towards the team just because, again, everyone expected a, a win, especially because the Jaguars are not very good. So you just yeah. thought, OK, you're going to snap this three game losing streak, going to pick up a win. It'll be the last game in Oakland and everybody will celebrate and dance and music will play. And it was a, a fairy tale ending that didn't end in, in, in a fairy tale style. And so it was it was a lot of anger. But I really think and I've been telling people this all week long that, hey, you know what? Yes, it hurt. It was bad that they lost, but I really do believe that once the dust settles, once everyone kind of gets over that that emotional loss, then they'll be fine and they'll all be back to being diehard Raider fans cheering their team on each and every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is. But, you know, initially it really did hurt the, the fans. Yeah, because A, you've got the disappointment that your team is leaving the city for good now, and then B, you were going along for the big celebration and they disappointed Again, but do you firmly believe that Raider Nation will stick by their team once they become the Las Vegas Raiders and will 
support them through and through. I believe about 97%, 98% Okay, will. You know what I mean? Raider Nation is everywhere. It's worldwide. I mean, you know, it's overseas. It's well, everywhere, you know? And so I, I believe that they will. Uh, there's going to be a small chunk of, of fans that will be upset. But I'll tell you right now, walking out of the Coliseum on Sunday, people were telling me, hey, I'll see you in Vegas. Hey, I'll see you in Vegas. Hey, I'll see you in Vegas. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So they'll, they'll be there, you know? But the, the thing is, once they open up that stadium in Vegas, the team needs to be good. They need to start winning some games because at some point, fans are going to be like, I don't really want to go travel to some other city if, you know, the team's not going to be a, a winning team. So they're going to have to be good, but 97%, 98% of the fan base, they'll definitely be there. Yeah, they've had their fun moments this season, in particular here in London. We enjoyed that victory, and it was a, a good game and a good performance by the Raiders. They've had a, an up-and-down season, but maybe they've had more in terms of the dubs column than some would have anticipated coming into the season. How has the season gone for you in particular and what needs to be improved to make sure that they are firmly in the hunt next year in the AFC West? You know, the thing about it is the season has been a roller coaster of emotions and, and rides, and especially being the last year in Oakland as well. And, you know, after week 10, there were, the Raiders were 6-4. and four. You know, they were looking pretty good. People were talking about possibly going to the playoffs. And I kept cautioning because I said, hey, look, there's a lot of games left. You don't know how it's going to go. And there's a lot of young guys on the team. So you don't know how well they're going to play down the stretch. And, and a lot of rookies that haven't played this many games because they don't play that many games in college. So uh, there was a lot of question marks that I still had. And there's still a lot of question marks. But, uh, you know, they were looking good after those 10 games. And then right now being on that current four-game losing streak is really disappointing. And it feels like this team is almost taking a step back. And so I really caution they have two games left. They have to find a way to, to, to break this losing streak. Because if you go into the season or the offseason on a six-game losing streak, it's almost like you're starting back over. Even though you have better players and you have some young rookies to get excited about, and their rookie class was exceptional. So I, I'm very excited about the young guys. But you don't want to hurt their mentality. You don't want to hurt their confidence by losing the final six games of the season. And then you have to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait all offseason before you get back on the field and get another opportunity to play. So it's very important that out of these final two weeks for the Raiders, they find a way to win a game. And is there much trust there for John Gruden? Yeah, I still believe in him. I do think that he needs to also go into the offseason and, and work on some things. I think he needs to improve on uh, a lot of things he does at halftime, adjustments. It looks like as of lately, he hasn't really made too many halftime adjustments. You know, they scored 16 points against the Jaguars on Sunday in the first half, and they scored nothing in the second half. And the offense looked like it was just not there. It was non-existent, you know. And so the Jaguars went in and made changes. Well, what kind of changes did the Raiders make? And so John Gruden, he has he carries he carries some of this blame. You know, I do believe he's going to get this thing going in the right direction. I think it is with the guys that they picked up in the draft. And, you know, they, they're going to have a lot of free agency money in the offseason. They have a lot of draft picks. They'll be able to, to bring in, hopefully, exceptional players and, and continue to build this thing. But he's going to have to sit himself down and look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? Some of this is on me as well. I've got to improve as a coach, as a play caller, as a – as a teacher, I mean, he, he's got he's to carry a little bit of the load as well. Never a dull moment for the Raiders. My <laughs> thanks to your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast. No doubt we'll be speaking to him throughout the offseason because there's going to be a lot of headlines 
coming from Las Vegas. All right, so there it was, Raider Nation. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Anthony Wuton. He's our good buddy from London. Definitely enjoyed talking to him. He's from Love Sport Radio. Uh, you probably saw maybe the tweet. I retweeted it over over the weekend, I think on Saturday. So you might have already seen that. You might have already heard that, but I always like to bring it to the show because, again, he's a good dude, and I always appreciate the time I get to talk to him. And just to know that a dude from London, a dude from overseas, wants to talk to me about anything is awesome, let alone talk about the Raiders. So, uh, yeah, I just think that that's pretty cool and let you know exactly where this podcast has gone from where it started and where it's at right now and that's all because of you uh new booties included you know anyone who just started listening to the show maybe yesterday maybe last week it is all good this thing is has gone from something really really little and we've seen it grow like a like a young child has grown and it's almost a grown adult now so uh thank you very much for all the support definitely appreciate that Hopefully everyone has a Merry Christmas. We will have a show tomorrow. It'll be the crossover edition. Later on today, I'm actually going to talk to Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos. We'll talk about that Week 17 matchup. He started off the regular season. That was the Week 1 opponent for the the Raiders, and he's going to finish the regular season. He's the Week 17th opponent, so... We will be talking, I will be talking with Cody Rourke from Locked On Broncos. That'll be on tomorrow's episode, so either you listen to it on Christmas, maybe you hear it on Thursday, but whatever. Whenever you get a chance, hopefully you have a great holiday time. Hopefully you enjoy your Christmas, you spend your time with your family, and and enjoy that. And uh, we'll talk again, like I said, tomorrow. So until then, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.